When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to History of College Football Podcast. I am Jay Abramson, and I will take you down a gridiron memory lane. The national champions, the teams, the rivalries, the conferences, the Heisman winners, the rankings. Today, we are lucky, and I am honored to have a very special guest, Dr. David Klinger, record-setting quarterback of the Houston Cougars. In 1990, David Klinger threw for 5,140 yards, 467.3 yards per game, and set an NCAA record with 54 touchdowns a record that was not broken until, well, 2014 by the late Colt Brennan, who actually played in three more games that season. David Klinger perfected the idea of the perfect quarterback for the run-and-shoot offense. His accomplishments are simply unparalleled in the annals of college football. Consider this. On November 17, 1990, David Klinger threw for an NCAA record 11 touchdowns against Eastern Washington in an 84-21 victory. Two weeks later, on December 2, 1990, David Klinger set an NCAA record for all divisions, that's division one, two, and three, as he threw for 732 yards against Arizona State. It is indeed an honor to have you on my podcast. First, Dr. Klinger, tell me, what brought you to Houston? Well, I was actually uh, going to Houston for two sports. I was recruited to play basketball, and uh, actually much more recruited to play basketball and football. And uh, and so they had recruited me for both and offered me scholarships in both. And so I accepted a football scholarship to go to University of Houston. Fantastic. Your coach, uh, John Gen- Jenkins, uh, his run and shoot offense, that was simply light years ahead of his time. In 1990, your Cougars went 10 and one. You led the nation with 46.5 points per game and you put up video game numbers. You scored 51, 62, 62, 56 and 84 points. Tell me, what made Coach Jenkins' offense different from the other offenses in the early 1990s? Well, I think it, I think it's different than any offense even today. I mean, um, yes, you know, like I said, he was just just light years ahead of, of what everybody was doing, and and he was so secretive about what he was doing. I think there's only a handful of people who actually have any idea what he was uh, what he was doing. But uh, but yeah, just um, basically the offense was was getting receivers. Uh, to go where the defenders are not. It's just really that simple. From a quarterback's perspective, how was it to execute the run and shoot? How, how complicated was that scheme? Uh, it, it wasn't complicated. The, uh, the, the thing that I guess I really appreciated about it was there was not a lot of um, plays per se. It wasn't uh, this guy goes to this depth and runs this route on this play. Uh, it was uh, concepts and and, and so kind of like in basketball, um, things kind of happen in the flow of, uh, of the game. And so, and so there were adjustments available to every receiver on every play to get open. And then, you know, as a quarterback, I, I tell you, there was a lot of times when you'd have all five receivers running wide open, uh, you know, and, and so it was really just a great, uh, a great offense to be in. When did you know this offense was going to set records that were going to be off the charts? When, when I, uh, I took a visit, um, to, uh, to University of Houston, and I watched video 
uh, of the uh, of the Houston Gamblers. Jim Kelly was the quarterback, and they had yes, sir. Yes, sir. all kinds of great uh, great players at receiver. And just every play, guys were running running wide open, and and so I was a little bit familiar with the run and shoot, uh, being uh, in the Houston area with the Houston Gamblers. And uh, and in high school, I was a wishbone triple option wishbone wishbone quarterback. So. Mm. Uh, so we threw the ball maybe uh, once a game, maybe. <laughs> and, and to go into this offense, it was uh, it was from one extreme to the other for sure. Wow, that's got quite a contrast. Absolutely. Let's go back. Absolutely. Let's go back to the 1990 season. Uh, November 3rd, 1990, you threw for 625 yards against TCU. Uh, take us through this game. Yeah, so, so we were, you know, Andre Ware, who had come right before me, Yes, sir. He, uh, we had competed for the job. They had actually a couple years early moved moved me to to defense to play free safety, and uh, so I had moved back. Andre had gone pro, and uh, and we really never felt like the the offense was all it could be. I mean, we were uh, take for example the the game I threw for seven hundred thirty yards. I was forty for seventy. I, I threw thirty incomplete passes. I mean, we just felt like there was so much untapped potential. And so we're going into the TCU game and people had tried a bunch of different ways to, to stop us. And, uh, and they tried a, a novel concept and then they tried to, to score with us uh, and uh, tried to outscore us. And of course that didn't work, but, hmm. but I think, uh, you know, I think Matt Vogler, uh, the quarterback for TCU that day actually set the NCAA record for most passes in a, uh, most passing yards in a game. And then I broke it two weeks later. I think he threw for like 600 and some yards in that game. So it was just a back and forth game um, with guys running wide open everywhere and just a, a blast to play. Of course, back then the clock stopped for every incomplete pass, every first down, every out of bounds. And so some of these games would drag on for hours. Right. Well, I, I always wanted to ask you this. At the time, okay, say November 4th, the day after the game, did you have any idea that you would top that performance later in the season against DCU? Yeah, yeah. Actually, that day I, I threw for seven touchdowns. So I think I threw for seven touchdowns that day, and then eleven, um, uh, you know, against uh, Eastern Washington, and then seven more against uh, uh, against um, Arizona State in Tokyo, and um, and it, it actually coming out of many of those games, you felt kind of disappointed because you left so so many opportunities on the on the field so so yeah I was really uh, the, the really the sky's the limit to score 70 points in a game in that offense is um, should be kind of standard wow uh, I think that um, uh, well a couple of years ago uh, in 2014 my brother uh, became offensive coordinator at Blinn College here in Brenham and uh, asked me to come help him and so we were there for one year we had the leading receiver. We ran this offense. We had the leading receiver, the second leading receiver, the leading passer, the fifth re uh, leading receiver. I think we averaged almost 60 points a game, and we still were not very good at, uh, at what we were doing. We had the uh, uh, D.D. Westbrook, who went on to win uh, the Freddie Blitnikoff Award at Oklahoma and went on to uh, into the NFL in Jacksonville. And so we had some good players, but, but the offense really is just untapped potential. And and so, yeah, I, I felt like there was still a lot of opportunities to, to throw for a lot more yards. I mean, remember uh, the year before we had played SMU and we put up a thousand yards of offense and scored, uh, you know, I think 90, uh, 92 or something like that against them. So, yes, so yes. really there was just uh, 
endless potential in this offense. Wow. Well, t t two weeks later, on November 17, 1990, you threw, and you mentioned this, for an NCAA record 11 touchdowns against Eastern Washington. 84-21, I believe, was the score. Right. I, how, how did you do that? Take us through that game. Well, what, what had happened was um, we, we had – Rice was in our, our conference uh, every year, and the head coach at Rice uh, took the job at Temple. And so we actually had Temple scheduled for that week. And when he got to, to Temple, he dropped us from the schedule. He didn't want any more <laughs> playing that <laughs> run and shoot offense. And so we were looking for a game. Eastern Washington was a really, actually, a really good one, uh, a Division One school, and uh, with uh, back then a really good offense. And actually played with my left tackle in Cincinnati uh, was from Eastern Washington. But but they came in there and um, and you know we just uh, ran our offense up and down the field and and actually. Uh, the 11th touchdown came uh, with uh, on the first play of the fourth quarter. I was supposed to go in and, um, you know, just throw a little completion on a quick out to the left. And, uh, and uh, of course, like I said before, every, every route adjusts for every defense. And so they took that away and, and I came backside to my next read and a receiver was running wide open down the sideline and I aired it out and, and uh, and he scored the 11th touchdown, and and that was really the first time that John Jenkins was ever not very happy with me for throwing a touchdown pass. <laughs> <laughs> we had kind of poured it on there, and uh, and probably um, because I think that was viewed as is running up the score on a lesser team. I think that probably was uh, the the reason that uh, that uh, we didn't win the Heisman again. You know, Andre had won it the year before, and. And we were certainly breaking every all the records that he had set. Wow, what a great story! Now, now two weeks after that eleven touchdown performance, uh, December second, nineteen ninety, you set an NCAA record for all levels: Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three. You threw for seven hundred thirty-two yards against Arizona State. Take us through that game. What what was that experience like yeah. for you? So this was the end of the end of the season. It was the the last game. Um, and we had a really excellent offensive line. Arizona State was an excellent defense. They had several guys. Felipe Sparks played in the league for a long, long time. He was a defensive right. back. Uh, they had a free safety that played in uh, Dallas for, for a long time, second round draft pick. And, and so they just had, they were really pretty good on defense. And, and, um, uh, but, but we had so many weapons on offense. Um, and, and we were really at the height of what we were doing. And, uh, and so, like you said, it was a, uh, a video game. But, again, you talk about missed opportunities. I mean, I remember at the end of the game, uh, Arizona State was making a game of it. They had uh, – I think they were – it was 55 to 45, as I recall, and it was the fourth quarter, and, and they were scoring every time they got the ball because they were pretty good on offense as well. And, uh, and so we got the ball on our own five-yard line, and uh, Manny Hazard uh, – who led the nation in receiving two years in a row. He, he breaks wide open down the middle and I just missed him. I mean, I just missed him. And, um, and so we called the same play, got the same coverage. Uh, he made the same break and, uh, and this time I hit him and he went for 95. So that adds, wow. <laughs> that adds up, uh, that helps with your, with your total yards. But, but it was just one of those days where, where everything was clicking. The receivers were making good decisions and offensive line was, providing protection and all I had to do was my part.
do you remember when, when you realized it was over 700 yards that you had thrown? Or was that after the game? Uh, no, uh, it, it, it just seemed like a normal game. Yeah, it just really seemed like a normal game. And, and uh, we, you know, uh, I, I remember making several really good throws that, that game. And I was, I was more pleased with, with that. I felt like we were just kind of getting, coming into our own in the offense. And, and, uh, and that's why I was really excited to return for my senior season. Uh, we had most of our receivers back, uh, but we did lose um, Chuck Witherspoon, who was our running back, and then our offensive line, uh, four of the five graduated, and that was really a, a big hit. We just didn't weren't able to replace them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. D Dr. Klinger, tell us about your life these days. I understand you're a professor at Dallas yeah. Theological Seminary. Yeah, so after I... Uh, uh, finished uh, playing in the NFL. I was uh, uh, training horses and raising cattle and had a buddy who told me I needed to go to seminary. And of course, I didn't know what on earth he was talking about. And, and uh, it, it just so happened that uh, um, a lady executive uh, from a big company pulled into my ranch and she said she wanted to buy it. And I told her it wasn't for sale and she made an offer. And then I asked her what, what all she wanted to keep. <laughs> so, so I sold the ranch and sold the cattle operation and, and was at a time where uh, I was thinking what's next. And, and so I enrolled in seminary and, uh, and after my first class, I came home and told my wife, that's what I want to do. I want to know the Bible like those guys know the Bible and, yes, and teach it. so that was, uh, that was it. That was uh, in 2000 and uh, 2000 is when I started and, and started teaching then in 2004. Oh, that's great. Absolutely great. Are you game for a few purely fun questions? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, college football history. Um, who, who, is your, who, who is your favorite player in college football history? Man, that is such a great, uh, a great question. Of course, I'm old and I don't watch a lot of football anymore. I've got two boys that played, uh, you know, played all through high school, uh, played in college, a little bit in college. And, and so my wife is the football fan. Uh, I'm not, my sons aren't, and she just, and both of them are coaches, they're football coaches, so I don't know how we don't watch football, but but I remember back when I was a kid, listen, watching, uh, of course, I always uh, had a, um, uh, I loved the wishbone, because that's, I was going to, you know, play in the wishbone at Stratford High School for Oscar Krebs, and, and so um, Craig James uh, had played at Stratford, and he had gone to SMU with Eric Dickerson, and uh, I think their quarterback's name was Lance McElhaney, and they they had the Pony Express, and uh, and man, I just loved to watch them play. Oh, that, so that, that was my that was probably my favorite uh, favorite team, favorite time to watch uh, college football, and and uh, then I followed, of course, followed Craig James and, and Eric Dickerson all through their NFL career. I find that absolutely incredible. You set all these passing records, and and in high school, you were a wishbone quarterback, and just a Fan of the wishbone. Yeah, actually, yeah. Here's here's actually a, an interesting a part uh, to end of that story. Years later, I'm teaching at the seminary, and uh, and I have a new student uh, enroll in the class. His name is Craig James. Oh. And so, and so I actually uh, got to teach uh, Craig in one of my classes and uh, worked on his thesis with him. And and uh, yeah, so it was just a great uh, kind of end of the end of the story. That's fantastic. 
what was your most memorable play in college football history? Um, yeah, my most memorable play, um, we were playing the University of Texas. Yes, sir. Uh, and this was this was Andre Ware's junior year. This is the year he won the Heisman. And, uh, it, and it's probably his favorite, most memorable play, too. Um, they were a man-to-man defense. They played man-to-man. Well, teams don't assign a defender for the quarterback, right? And so it was the first play of the second half. John Jenkins, always the mad scientist. He, um, he, we had worked on this play all week. Um, so uh, the first play of the second half, we kind of, you know, the everybody's kind of in a, you know, in a bunch, of, a bunch of a pile of humanity over there on the sideline, and we all come running out together, and uh, and I line up as running back, and he said, you know, hey, stay down, keep your, you know, keep your chest down so they can't see your number. <laughs> and, uh, and so we had uh, trips to the right and one receiver to the left into the boundary. And Andre Wares, you know, as we used to do, he would go, you know, call out uh, the play. Everything was at the line for us. And, and he went out to the right and called the play. And then he went, he really good actor, you know, then went out to the left. <laughs> the receiver acted like he couldn't hear it. So we went out there a little more and boy, the ball snapped. And, and, uh, and Andre took off down the sideline. The outside receiver came in flying down the hash and Andre was running wide open. And uh, the shotgun snapped to me, and and so I throw it down the sideline. And actually, their free safety actually read it, and he came flying across there. And Andre made a tremendous catch on the sideline for a gain of about 50 yards. And and yeah, we'll never forget that one. I I, I just I wish it would have scored. I mean, it it was a big game, but I wish it would have scored. We were we were so excited. That was a fun day. What really. incredible moment! What what was the greatest game in college football history? You know, um, the one I remember, um, probably because uh, my, when my kids were a little younger, we would watch some. We would watch some big games. And I remember one time. Um, this was, uh, gosh, it seems like just yesterday, but it was probably ten years ago. Um, Alabama was playing Auburn, and um, and Auburn. Uh, see, Alabama was coming down to kick the win. I think it was this right. Alabama was coming down to kick the winning field goal, but it was a long field goal. And I had told uh, told my boys, I said, uh, Alabama's about to lose the game on this play. And they said, what are you talking about? I said, Auburn's going to return this for a touchdown. Oh, my gosh. You, and, you, uh, called, <laughs> you called it 56. I called it. Yeah, I called it. Holy uh, cow. It came, uh, came up short. And, of course, you know, when you, when, you got it, when you have a field goal unit out there, it's a bunch of big fat guys. They don't run, you know. Right. Uh, you got, uh, you got the, 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 the holder who's a – backup kicker or punter you got the kicker they're not going to tackle anybody your only chance is a couple of uh your tight end types that are out there you know doing double duty on the edge man you you better not kick that to anybody who can run and sure enough it came down to that uh it's i don't remember his name it seemed like he was number two and and he he caught that thing on the end line and took off and scored and chris davis that was yeah (laughs) so that was my favorite uh that was a great game, and that was my favorite game just because uh, I called it. So I got to be right, and and you know your your kids, uh, you know, they they never think you actually know what you're talking about in anything, you know. And so every once in a while, I'd walk by the television, they'd be wa- they'd be watching a football game, they say, "Hey, Dad, what's going to happen next?" And they're <laughs> to call the next play, and 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 that really worked out well for us because they entertained the possibility that I might know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I don't think they ever, you know, I think they just thought nah, he just keeps getting lucky, but, uh, but at least it, it, uh, you know, it kept it going a little bit. 
I cannot believe you called it a kick six. I, I, it's funny you should mention that. I, I take my son did that day, that same day in 2013 to the Ohio State Michigan game it was on my uh, bucket list and it was a good game. And, yeah. and we're, we, we come back from the game and we were in Michigan and we get on the elevator and everybody's talking about what an incredible game it is, the greatest game ever. And, and I've waited my whole life to see Michigan Ohio State. And I thought it's a great game. It's not the greatest game ever. We get right. to the room and we realize they're talking about the kick six that happened to happen right, right. right then. It's just so funny that you mentioned that. Oh, yeah. You talk about the Ohio State Michigan. Um, so my family is from Ohio. Uh, I was oh, born okay. in Lima, Ohio. And, and so when I, I was born in 1969, so, so Archie Griffin, you know, he's winning back-to-back -back Heisman trophies in Ohio okay. State and Woody Hayes versus Bo Schimbeckler. I mean, the good old days, right, when yes, sir. coaches punched players and got away with it and <laughs> I was throwing chairs on the, on the basketball <laughs> court. And that's just how you coach, you know. And, and so, uh, so anyway, um, uh, I took a visit to Michigan. Bo Schimbeckler had recruited me, and I took a visit to Michigan. And I remember uh, my mom's got 10 brothers and sisters and the whole family I mean, it was in unison. If you go to Michigan, you go alone, and we won't root for you, and we will never wear maize and blue, right? <laughs> and so the night of the visit, it snowed, and uh, and I thought, man, there is no way that I'm playing in Michigan. It is too cold, but, uh, but I think things turned out, out okay playing down there in the Dome in Houston. <laughs> things turned out very well. Oh, what was the greatest season in college football history? Well, you know, I don't know. Um, it seems like every year uh, it just gets better. I mean, last year was tremendous. These, you know, the offenses, uh, a lot of rules have changed so that uh, yes, yes. The offenses are a whole lot uh, more effective. Um, it's, you know, playing defense is very, very difficult. I remember um, several years ago now, Art Bryles, I was calling the games for University of Houston and Art Bryles called me into his office and he said, hey, let me show you something. And he he drew up this uh, this little concept on the board of the run pass options, you know, and, and basically doing the zone read and then throwing a bubble route for, you know, for what used to be, you know, he, he played at University of Houston under Bill Yeoman in the Houston Veer and then finished his college career at, at Texas Tech. And so he's showing me these, these Veer concepts that he picked up from University of Houston under Bill Yeoman. But now the, you know, the, the, the wide receiver bubble route was uh was the pitch guy and and he said you think this will work and i remember saying i don't know why it wouldn't it looks pretty good to me and, and <laughs> they started to put some rules together and uh, on how they were doing things and, and the run pass option and I, it's almost impossible now to play defense on some, with some of these uh some of these offenses that are uh that are going the university of houston has always been ahead of the curve haven't they yeah at least offensively yeah offensively they, yeah. they sure have and uh and uh, it's it's been uh, fun to be a be a part of that. Biggest upset in college football history. You know the one that comes to mind, um, and and this is I've always been for the underdog, right? Yes, sir. Um, probably, um, uh, probably because I wasn't recruited by a lot of the big schools to play football, uh, and and partly it just I just don't like liking that who everybody else likes, right? So yes. I remember, uh, you remember the the Oklahoma Boise State game that was like the david versus goliath and the, the statue of liberty play yes sir uh, i don't remember what year that was but but that's when boise state kind of 
came on the scene and then they had the blue field and, and, uh, and all of a sudden I'm a Boise state fan, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm loving Boise state, but, but yeah, that game sticks out in my mind really is a, is a big upset just because nobody thought that Boise state should have been even been on the same field as Oklahoma. Oh, I'm with you all the way. And in one game, a hook and lateral and a Statue of Liberty play, I mean, that game had it all. It was awesome. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to watch. Now for the impossible question, greatest team in college football history. <sighs> the greatest team, um, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. We tend to, to think of, of teams that are more recent. Um, and, um, and I'm not so sure that that's, uh, that's right. I think that, uh, um, I, I, gosh, that's such a tough question to, uh, to answer. Um, several stick, I, I say greatest teams, probably greatest programs, right? I mean, you have these eras of, of, uh, Alabama under Bear Bryant and then now Alabama again. And, and, um, you know, the, the Michigan with Bo Schembechler and Ohio State with uh, Woody Hayes. I mean, you, you think of these eras. It's kind of like thinking of, uh, you know, UCLA basketball or, uh, you know, back in the old days. And, and so the, the great thing I love about college football, uh, so much better than the pros, is that, that it's a program. And, and every year new players come in, at least it used to be. Now with all this transfer stuff, I'm not a fan of that, you know. I'm not a fan of free agency. I'm not a, fran- a fan of, for the game, I'm not a fan of kids transferring to different schools. I think you go and you commit to a program and, and you know, maybe it's old school. You play for the name on the front of the jersey, not the name on the back of the jersey. And, and so, yeah, you think of Oklahoma, the old great Nebraska teams, Miami, goodness, quarterback yeah. uh, you of Miami. And, and uh, I, was, I saw a picture recently of uh, – uh, of the Miami quarterbacks. It was like their position coach uh, position picture with Jim Kelly was on the left and Bernie Kosar was on the right. And then uh, there was uh, Mark Reich was in there. And I mean, just, yes. it was kind of a who's who of. Yes, sir. Uh, Absolutely. Football and and uh, just a tremendous uh, Vinny. Vinny Testaverde was beside uh, uh, to the left beside Jim Kelly. And you're thinking, man, that's a pretty good group. You know, that's a, that's a group of quarterbacks that could play for anybody in the country and they're waiting in line for their turn, you know, Absolutely. And so they were, they were certainly a great program. And, and so, yeah, there's been some really good ones. Well, I'm with you. I'm with you on your, on the state of college football too. I, I completely agree with you. And I think it's our culture, right? Our culture is so noncommittal and, and want everything easy and, you know, fun, fair, positive participation trophies, all that stuff. They need to throw in the trash can. You know, there's first place and then there's everybody else. <laughs> yes, sir. It's, it's a different age, isn't it, sir? It absolutely <laughs> is. It absolutely is. Well, I want to thank you, Dr. David Klinger. Thank was, you. Thank you, Jay. It was, yeah, a, it was a great, great honor to be with you. Oh, I, I, the words resonate. I, it was an honor to have you as a guest. Your records speak for themselves. You, you've carved your name into the Mount Rushmore of college football. Thank you for listening to History of College Football. I am Jay Abramson. Join us every Tuesday and Saturday for a new episode.